month late and many dollars short, but we're back. Hey, everybody. It's Ryan and Ken from Play Games Lose Friends. We're back at episode 33, and it's been a while since we've met. Are you uh, sure it's 33? I'm sure it's 33. I purposely wrote it down okay. this time. Nice, we're 33 in. We still don't have a regular schedule. It's been schedule. so long. The it's structure so is long. poor. We can't remember what episode we're on. I don't know why any of you still listen, but those of you who do, <laughs> tip of the kingle. We appreciate it. Uh, welcome back, everybody. It's been a little while. We've got lots of games to talk about. Thank God we have played as much. Although we were talking today, and like we haven't recorded for a variety of reasons. Like, well, there's only been one probably. game night. Yeah, since that, the last episode. That was and usually saying, that's yeah, yeah, like yeah, that's our catalyst, right? Yeah, we got to play games just, in order to talk about games. Yeah. Now, now, <laughs> we just now, now, <laughs> it's not worked out terribly well. Summer is such a rough time with scheduling. Like everybody's got vacations, like all the kids' activities finished up from like sports and stuff. And then like everybody's just like, you know what? I don't want to do shit for a while. And I think we were both in that yeah, and then, for a little bit. And then uh, I was out of town one weekend. You were – ill one on another weekend and then we had the, father's day the hantavirus for two weeks and yeah yeah like it's just you, had, you, uh, you, you cut a touch of the potato blight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ate too many weevils it was not a not not a good stretch there but uh, i'm glad to be back yeah. sitting in front of this microphone and we can talk about games again because i do miss talking about games so let's uh yes, let's just there, get right into there's this. a lot to talk about there's a lot to talk about actually because i think and, if we and, i obviously we don't want to stretch it but this did allow me to uh, purchase a lot of games that I won't play, uh, and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we did get some game night. There was a game night in, and then I uh, I cheated on our game group with another game group. So I have two games to talk you about whore. there. Yeah, I I had to. I had to. Um, it's all right. And then I, you know, there was a couple new things coming out that I just wanted to mention. Uh, you know, because I did bitch about it on a, a few podcasts ago, so I, I believe the the board game gods have heard my my prayers and plight, <laughs> and uh, we'll be in good shape. So, they all right, your so trap for keep you. us on, yeah, keep 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 me on track because I uh, I'm feeling very wild card tonight. <laughs> yeah, I could tell before we started. This is going to be good. So out of uh, a cannon, we'll, baby. <laughs> we'll we'll just kick off intros and shout outs. Uh, you want to start? And all, and we'll I alternate. can. Since we do not have our promo clip to play in the episode right here, I'll have to do it one more time. Uh, and that is our good buddies over at DGN Sports Cards. DGN Sports Cards. They have all your favorite uh, sports and trading cards and memorabilia, any of the supplies, sleeves, top loaders, books. They have uh, blind box helmets and blind box baseballs, and I think there's there's new now a almost a life size statue signed by Tom Brady in their showroom. Um, so if you love any sport, any types of sports, or Kraken packs, whether it's Pokemon or football or basketball, head on over to DGNSportsCards.com. It's the best prices you're going to find for any of these uh, addictive paper gambling. Uh, so. Please enjoy and go buy some cards. Some cardboard crack. It's got plenty of it for you. Yeah. So second Absolutely. plug, uh, a buddy of ours, Mike 
Michael G. Kern, I'll go with his full name, finished uh, another book in his series. (laughs) (laughs) The the third. Uh, Fences, a backyard story, volume two of a three part series. This is a pretty good book, aged for for like, uh, you know, early teens and a little back from that. Yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, he finished his second book. It's now up for order on Amazon for 15 bucks for a paperback. Uh, this is a really good book. My daughter loves it, and I know he sold quite a few copies. Um, a budding author, but he's got an interesting writing style. And book's a bit surprising. I, I liked it too and read it with my kids. And so I wanted to give that a nice shout-out. Mike's uh, a very good dude and a talented fella, and the books are worth checking out. So if you have kids – and you're interested in some uh, animals that talk and plot against each other and all that fun stuff. Uh, it's worth checking out. So Fence is a Backyard Story Volume 2 out now on Amazon. You can order it online for 15 bones. Worth checking out. And that's Michael G. Right. Curran. C-U-R-R-A-N, right? Yep. Or is there an H that's in there? Right. Okay. Right. No, no H. No H. <laughs> No, no H. <laughs> no H. So I think last time we met, we uh, we we plugged a little contest we were running. We did not get any. Oh yes, we are. Which is Aww. means one of two things: number one, no one listens to this show, which I know isn't true, and number two, no one owns tapestry, or no one likes tapestry. It's entirely possible. <laughs> owns, yeah. That yeah. I guess. So we'll try it again. Uh, so if you can send us an email at playgamesloosefriends at gmail dot com. Subject line tapestry. Uh, give us your address um, in this in the body of the email, and that's it. And what we'll do is we'll pick a, a random winner, and the random winner will receive two expansions for said tapestry. That is the arts and architecture expansion, and the brand new uh, fantasies and futures expansion. So this is two out of the three expansions for tapestry, which. Uh, if you've not heard, we talked about a few episodes ago. It's uh, it's basically tracks on tracks, and then you play with tracks while building a civilization. So it's very fun. We enjoy it. We broke down the balance. We broke down the components. It's a stone mire. It's a beautiful game. And uh, these expansions just make it have so much more. So that is playgamesloosefriends at gmail.com, subject line tapestry. Just give us your address in the body, and we'll go from there. Thank you all, and uh, good luck to the winner. All right. That's it for the show. Thanks. For, no. <laughs> all right. Have a good night. Uh, what are we going to do if we don't get any <laughs> entries? Should we sell both of them, buy tapestry, and put that up for the contest, or burn them both in the front yard? <laughs> I don't know. We'll, I'll come up with something. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We'll cross that yeah, track let's, when let's, we get there. So you see what I did there? Oh, oh is that does that game have tracks? It does, I believe. Five, maybe six. I do kind of miss playing it. It was fun. I, w- I want to play it again. It is a- we'll talk yeah. about that later in the show because that applies. You to just can't do it on a Tuesday. Uh, tonight's topic. Yeah. <laughs> we can't do it on a Tuesday. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's hop into what we played. So first of all. Well, are you – well, hold on. Before we jump into that, are you yeah. drinking anything tonight? Uh, I was going to save that for later. But yeah, we can do that now. I am oh, drinking I just something. didn't know. Are you? I am drinking something. I have a beverage. I know you have a beverage. Let's talk about I our do beverages. Has beverage. Sure. It has beverage. All right. I have a uh, very delicious New England style double IPA from 
toppling Goliath called King Sue, which I've talked about before. Uh, I think I'm getting to the bottom of the keg because this literally looks like a a fruit smoothie at this point. It is so thick, light does not penetrate the the liquid in the glass. Um, Toppling Goliath makes a lot of very good beers. King Sue is no exception. This is one of their notable IPAs in their line of beers. Uh, Glad I could pick up another keg of it, and I know it's almost gone because we drink it pretty regularly. So I think it's like 8%. Yeah. Very delicious. Yeah, it's a big one. It's uh, Toppling Goliath's King Sue. Check it out. And I am sipping on something from Susquehanna Brewing Company. It is their newest flavor in the Suck on This Sour series. <laughs> and this is orange. If you've heard... Yeah, actually, if you go back in the archives, you will hear the entire collection. I think I had a blueberry one one time. I had a blackberry one time, a cherry. So um, this is the newest one. I went into the beer distributor, and there it was. So I can't not buy the next flavor. And this is orange. So apparently it's made with actual orange juice uh, and natural flavors. Uh, so it's basically like a, was like a mimosa, sort of. Yeah. In a way, right? Isn't mimosa the alcohol, the orange juice? Um, yes. The drink we make with that Champagne and, uh, and orange juice, I believe. And orange juice, yeah. So this is basically a beer and orange juice, and it's pretty amazing. I'm really enjoying it. What's the what's the center. what's the orange shandy that that uh, Rob always gets? How does it compare? Orange to that is one? new black from Susquehanna. Yeah. Well, this is this is so it's weird. This one is more of a sour than the orange is the new black. I don't think orange is the new black is supposed to be a sour, even though it has no, I think it's sour shandy. tendencies. Um, but this is more in that sour. So you get the you know that little bit of puckering uh, of or, or the perseness of your lips. Is that a word? Perseness. I don't think so, but good, good try. Make that up. What is it that face where you like, like on the Puckered? warhead, right? When you eat a warhead, oh, pucker face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. I mean, you can purse your lips uh, if that's what you're looking for. Is that but the I same as puckering? I don't want to see you do that. Just to be clear, uh, no. I, I think oh, is is pursing yeah. like like I think dirty? We, we, you know we'll, we'll just make this. You know, I don't think it's dirty. <laughs> This is a research project for you, is the difference between pursed lips and puckered lips. And I don't want to know what that Google image search looks like. You keep that to yourself. Yeah, I'll have to not do that at a work computer. So, Yeah, or, or, or <laughs> around right. the kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all, right, all right, so we're drinking. We're back. Let's, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's talk games. So uh, explain to me who this – What? This other group is you, hussy. What did you play? Oh, do you want to hear the games, or do you want to hear the description about the group? Uh, I don't. That's up to you, I guess. How much <laughs> do you want the origin? Do you want? Do you want the origin story? Did you have clothes on? <laughs> Somewhat, yeah. Oh um, God. So, so uh, this is actually one of my older uh, game groups when I first got into the hobby. Um, uh, COVID. Um, sort of broke the group apart and we really hadn't played games in two or three years. Um, and just out of the blue, I got a text that said, Hey, let's play some games again. And I was like, okay. Cause again, I don't need an excuse to play board games. Um, 
So these are guys I've this if you remember the Arcadia Quest story where uh the one guy put all the bombs outside my base. Do you remember that story? From like one of the like one of the early podcasts about Arcadia Quest? Oh yeah, you've told that. This is one times. of this is one of those guys. He's in oh, that I probably like him then. Who did that? And and it came up about the bombs. It 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 was like it was like years didn't pass. He was like, "Hey, do you remember that time that I put all those bombs out?" I was like, "Remember that time I made you yes. hate me?" Yeah, I literally had to go outside for a little bit and then scream outside. It was bad. I was so fired <laughs> up. Um. So yeah. So four of us got together for uh, I think it was a Sunday afternoon. Um, and um, we actually got two games to the table. Um. The first one was called Mystic Market, uh, and this was a stock market-ish game, although very light, regarding making potions. I had never heard of it before, and my buddy was like, oh, it was like $7, so I just bought it. He's got a good game collection, too, and a lot of it becomes those, uh, you know, if he finds a good deal, he he can't pass that up. Um, so basically, you're trying to – there's a – the components were amazing. There was like a, like a rack of potions and there was a different color of each potion. Uh, and each slot in the rack has a different point value. So when you, uh, I believe make the potion, you get the points for where it's at in the rack. And then once you score that, it then moves to the top of the rack, which is where the least amount of points are for it. And then the different potions have different types, but then you can, um, also get special actions, uh, that you can then do in your turn as well, uh, through another source of cards. So it's got a unique dynamic to it where you're, you're drafting, um, cause you're trying to make sets to make these potions, but then you can use the set, the set cards to buy these actions or the spells. And it just was so simple, but yet we really had a lot of fun playing it. I think the score was a very close score. Um, so, yeah, and again, that's the most money at the end of the game wins. And I think, again, like I said, I think it was a close, close race to the end. Uh, but that's called Mystic Market. Now, I'm, I'm sure not a lot of people have ever heard of it. Yeah. Uh, but can't say I've never heard of it. Yeah, I didn't either. I was like, what the hell is that and why are we playing it? Uh, you know, after I brought a whole bag of games. But whatever. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, how many, so, what was the max player count? I think it's a four. Or maybe okay. maybe five. It's not a lot because there's not a lot of cards, and like once something's gone, it's gone. There's like like stuff doesn't recycle. Um, and then we played a co-op um, deck builder, and this was a Kickstarter from oh my god, when was this? This was late late teens, I think, and it is a game called Dire. Wild or Dire Wilds. And um, it's basically uh, it, you're sort of like it's got Pokemon esque things where like you're catching these different, uh, car- you know, these little monsters and bringing them into your deck. And um, but then you're using them on other turns to. Yeah, it's from 2018. Is Dire Wild? Yeah, I can't say I've heard of that and, one either. And um, so it's a it's like a, a dungeon crawly deck builder um, where you get all these animals and then you use these animals uh, to do different actions when you're like 
fighting other like minions that show up on the board and those are all, and they're all unique. And you do this, uh, uh, you do it like three times and then it becomes like a final boss battle. So it's like, it, it's almost like a precursor to the boss battler games, but it was all done with tactical cards. Um, so it was, uh, I was impressed. And again, you know, I'm not a big co-op person. Um, but no, it was fun. The, the art was neat. Yeah. It was funded on December 1st, 2017. Um, and, and you can use, uh, like, like you're spending power to then also unlock abilities that happen for everybody. And then you, when you go up against a, a, a monster, you know, there's a little bit of dice combat to try to beat them. Um, and then and again, like you're trying to fight this like grand, like evil warlock kind of thing. It was very unique and very fun. Um, uh, wasn't too fiddly. Um, so I enjoyed it and that's dire wild. So, and, uh, oh, and, and every character that you, that you, like, there's like multiple characters you could be. Everyone is asymmetric and your starting deck is asymmetric. Um, so that was kind of cool too. In terms of co-op games, which you've uh, not a fan of, but I've played quite a bit. Would you, where would you rank this one? Uh, as far as like what? Like just straight what up. Kind of, it, what am I ranking? Engaging the entire time. Cause like co-ops can be quarterbacky. They can be. No, this. Know. Well, the only thing you do is, um, so you, you, uh, you know, like in deck building, how like you want to chain factions. Like you want to either be all the, you want to play a red card with a red card to do something epic, right? Right. Well, this is somewhat like that where it's like species of animal. So like, Someone might be focused on the insects. So, like, you would discuss before you purchase, like, hey, are you going to buy this, you know, hornet next turn? Because it's better for you. However, it's not a bad card for me. It just synergizes better with your character and your deck. So, there's a little bit of that from a co-op perspective. But then other than that, it's just, you know, you're just sort of all fighting together. You're trying to unlock your own, you know, the, the master skills so that we all can benefit um, but the game extremely ramps up. So, like by the third act, like it, it was close. We almost didn't win. Like it was real close. Yeah, um, the good so ones are difficult. always close like that. I think. Yeah, and and but I was engaged the whole time. The art helps. Uh, the deck building, I think, helps. Um, the combat was meh, but again, it was just cards and co-op. Um. But I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the experience. So cool. that's dire wild. How many normally were in this game group? Is it all the same people? Um. So it was. It was always a group of four of us. Uh, well, actually, at one point we had five, and then someone moved away. Um. But then it was like there was always like an amalgamation of four of us. So like someone wouldn't always show up, but we'd always have a replacement. Gotcha. And we played, uh, and this was like, uh, I think Quentin, Quentin was born, but like, uh, so it was a while ago, um, that we've been playing and then, oh, actually I still lived in Pottstown. I was going to um, say, where, we where did you guys generally group. play before? 
Yeah, like, so we alternated houses. Uh, well, they, uh, Allentown, and then there's actually one guy that's near me up here in, in, uh, in where I live uh, by the Turnpike. That's um, not bad. But, yeah, but so Allentown, and then they would travel to Potsdam. There was another friend in Quakertown. So, like, we when, when I live in Potsdam, we all, like, were close. So it was a, a equal distance depending on who was, who was hosting. Nice, um, cool. But, Anything else? And that you- was also one of my Gloomhaven groups. If you remember, like, yeah, I, I do played Gloomhaven that. multiple campaigns. This was the guys that I was playing Gloomhaven with, uh, or one Gloomhaven. of the groups of people I was playing Gloomhaven with. I don't know so, of anyone yeah. who actually finished the game via playing the physical board game. Everyone I know that's finished it has done it through the, the actual video game itself. No, these with these, I don't think it, again it wasn't done. Uh, but we got very very far with this group because they would play uh, without me because they had a fourth one. So, like I said, there was always a rotating fourth player. Oh, okay. Ran you know every once in a while the stars aligned and all five of us made you know made an appearance, but. Uh, there was either three of us or four of us, and then we would rotate out the fourth person. Um, so, but yeah, they were, these were like epic Gloomhaven guys. Like they played, it's like, it was amazing. <laughs> Our group was good while it lasted, but we COVID killed it and we never resumed. And I don't know if we ever will. Just, uh, yeah. Now there's Frosthaven. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, did you get anything else outside of that that, that we didn't uh, play together? Um, no, I think everything else we're about to talk about, we uh, we played together. All right. I'll cover the couple – well, the few that I played without you. Uh, okay. I had my brother-in-law who's in our game group over and my sister last weekend. We got to play some Sagrada, which they hadn't – I guess Joe's played before, but my sister hasn't played. So I think she liked it. Um, once you wrap your head around the placement rules, it was a little confusing at first, but uh, figured it out. So we played played one game of that, and then we switched over to uh, Illiterati, which I talked about a bit last episode. It was a Kickstarter that came in. Um, I'd played it just two players before just to get the rules down and kind of get the feel of it and enjoyed it. So this is my first play at four players and it was really fun. It's really hard. It's legitimately difficult to like try to spell words that relate to the books you're supposed to bind. Um, essentially you get like a whole bunch of words and then you'll each get dealt a unique book and the subject of the book will be like TV shows or famous actors or tech and social media companies or whatever. And so the stuff you spell, like the basic words could be, you know, bus and cat and onomatopoeia. And then you also have to spell words that relate to your book to bind it. And there's certain restrictions and requirements for those words. Like they've got to have certain symbols on them or they've got to be a certain length of letters. So not only do you have to like accomplish that book across all the players playing, but you also need to make sure you use all but certain amount of your letters or you start burning letters. If you burn three, you lose the game or sorry, four, you lose Hmm. the game. So it's very challenging and you're on a three minute timer every round and you get new letters every round to help. But like when you're sitting there with X's and Q's and K's and like, it's just, very difficult to spell. It just sounds like you need times. to play better. Uh, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I really want to try this game so bad. You've talked about it so much. 
Yeah. I love the art on that cover. I don't know if any of the art transcends into the game, but it does. It's the, so the, like, not only are you racing against that clock and everything, but after the rounds over the literati characters on the box are basically villains and there's four or five unique villains and you flip over a card from that villain deck and they have a negative effect on the game. Like, so the player with the longest word may have to discard three letters from that long word. And so, like, things that you think you're in good shape for to bind a book the next round, you can't because they affect it. And then if you play this another one of those in the subsequent round and it's the same villain, you resolve both the cards that have been played again. So it gets to be really tough the longer the game goes on. Um, it's it's very good. The pressure was fun, but it was like the other co-op you talked about where, like, you, you're on that precipice of losing, but you may not lose if you – you know, play your letters right or spell your words right. Um, it just has you teetering that whole time. And so it's, it's very well done that way. I think it's an excellent game. So we had a lot of fun playing that at four players. We'll definitely have to try that. I was, uh, we're hanging out together this weekend. I thought about bringing it along. Might be something that I was going to say, you should probably bring it just in case. Yeah. I'll, I'll pack it, pack it up with, uh, with everything. Um, also got to play another, uh, game of Stardew, a co-op with the kids. Oh, Um, nice. I still love that game. It's just fun. It's it challenging. Really well it's fun. And I, I love Stardew as a theme in general. So I, I had fun doing that. And then we played um, Dark Tower again. I still have not beaten oh. that goddamn game. Like I, With the family? I, the kids played? Uh, my wife and my son played. And we got yeah. closer than we ever did. And we loaded up. My, so my wife and I were trying. We, we've constantly you, been dying. Did you Leroy again? We did lost Leroy again. again. Uh, but what no, we but did, did this- you physically pull your Leroy Jenkins? Oh, I did and not this time. Wipe the party. We okay. we planned it out really well, and Were we you forbidden- loaded him <laughs> up with like all the equipment, all the potions, <clears throat> like all the warriors, all the spirit, everything, so that he could just like stroll in there, like you know, smash this thing in the face, and we win the game. Turns out, uh, some of the abilities affect like all players. And we just lost right then and there. Everybody just got to three corruption uh, in like no time. And we were like, well, shit. <laughs> so I think we learned even more about that. Uh, <coughs> and I'm excited to try it again because one of these guys <coughs> will beat it. But that game is so the, is hard. So the pack mule uh, loading up one character is not the call either. No, definitely not. And uh, I- I'm learning more about that game. Like it's it's got some of that pandemic nature to it because uh, Davio was involved in the design where you've yeah. got to clear skulls off of locations throughout the game, like you do with like the, the cubes in Pandemic, right? The disease yeah. cubes or whatever. Because they fall out of the tower, right? They come out of those little windows. <laughs> yeah, they, right? they the come out. roll out into the locations. Right. And and then you have to place them on buildings. And if a building has four skulls, it's destroyed and you gain a corruption. So you're trying to keep them at bay. But at the same time, like you probably don't need to keep it as clean as we do. So some of those actions could go elsewhere. I think we're getting better at it, but still have not okay. beaten it. So. But that's all I played nice. without you. Uh, let's Aww. jump in. So I'm just going to read all the games off on the list that, that we <laughs> talked about. And then we'll pick the – I think we should pick ones we really want to talk about. I think there's like three, Yeah, I think there's – Three or four. Oh, there's really – let's see. Cover. Yeah, there's – yeah. Some that we've played. Actually, yeah. let's see. I've got one, two, three, four. I've got five that I think we should talk about because we've never okay. talked about them. On the podcast, there's one that we've talked about before. I believe made both of our top fifties. We can just hit the high spots on that, but okay. rattle it off, my so friend. Earth, 
Tiny Towns, Parks, Star or no, that Stardew was mine, sorry. Res Arcana, Birds of a Feather, Road to Canterbury, and Mystic Vale. Did I miss any? Uh, no. So. Okay. And you had ones that I didn't have, so good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remembered Parks at the end. So I won't talk about Parks. I won't talk about Res Arcana because we've already played those and we've already talked about those and we've already reviewed those. And love – yeah. Love them both. Or and Love Letter we don't need to talk about. One of my favorite games ever made. Uh, I'm just going to jump into the one I think we probably both want to talk about the most, which I think is either – well, which one should we talk about first, Earth or Birds of a Feather? I think we leave Earth for the end. Okay. So let's let's talk about Birds of a Feather. So Birds of a Feather was a oh. Kickstarter. Uh, it was about a $20 Kickstarter, small card game, more bird-themed games. For whatever reason, the Earth, the earth needs more bird-themed games apparently. So, But the art was oh. great. It was a fairly cheap Kickstarter. The gameplay looked fairly – nothing you know, barn-burning awesome but fun. Um, I had it for several months and we never touched it. And I brought it in to, uh, to play at the office over, over lunch and boy, that game's fun. It's pretty good, right? It's a hit. It is definitely a hit. Um, and again, different types of people, different types of game sort of, uh, acumen and every, yeah, everyone is enjoying it. Uh, I, uh, and it's close. The scoring is pretty close, yep. usually. Um, so the, the way it varies. Works oh is, yeah, please. Is you basically get a, a hand of cards that are birds, and you can play the bird that you want down, and you mark off the uh, like bird icon, and the terrain icon creates like a grid on a score sheet, and you you basically check off a little circle that you completed that particular play. Um, those birds then go into a lingering area in the middle of the table, and then you'll all play birds again. And if you match any of the terrain type of the birds in the middle with the bird that you just played, you get to score those as well. So you'll be able to score cards that your opponents have. Uh, the only exception to that is if someone plays a raptor card, which clears out the stuff that's in the lingering area. So you can basically deny other people of its you know, color of its environment. Yes. Um, yeah. it sounds very simple. And it is very simple. It plays very quickly. Uh, but there is enough strategy there and kind of forethought with planning that there's enough depth to keep, you know, people like you and myself who have played more complicated stuff entertained and still have some of the folks yeah. that don't play a lot of games interested in playing. So, um, yeah, it was actually more strategic than I really thought it was going to be. Yeah. You know, reading here. the rules. I was surprised. Like, and then it's like, Oh, play a card. It moves. Okay. Play another card. Score. Yep. Uh, okay. But then that's where the meat of the game is, right? That's where the, 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 the crunch is. Cause it's like, yeah. Well, depending on what other people play, I do love the setup for if you're holding the raptor and you're filling that pot and then everyone's going for it and then you raptor it. Oh, I love that play. It's such a good play. Yeah. And the timing of it's really important. Yeah. You, you have to kind of evaluate the symbols in your hand against the ones that are rarer. So there are some that there's only one for each given terrain type. There's others where yep. there's multiple. So you kind of got to know when to play your trash and when to hold it, um, to deny other people points. Cause you know, yeah, there's cause your trash coming. can still get you points on like, uh, one of some of the two pointers, like the, yes, like the, the, the double wing, right? Is a two pointer. Yeah. And, and like yeah. being able to get some of the cards you need out of the way early and know that others aren't going to be able to recover from that is another strategy. Like there's a lot more there than 
meets the eye. And I was surprised by that, but it was yes, definitely so a good game. So there's five uh, environments of birds. Yeah. Uh, and then I think there's what, six? I think there's types seven. of bird. It might be seven or eight. Six or seven. But basically, the max points you can get per environment is 10. So a max score of 50 is possible. Um, yeah. Rare, though. I would imagine that's got to be pretty freaking tough to pull off. Yeah. <laughs> I think the best I did was two rows complete. So I yeah. had 20 plus whatever the other ones were. Same here. So like I was in the high, maybe low 30s, right? Was that where we got? Low 30s? Yeah. I think like 32 um, or something yeah. like that was where I ended up yeah. that one game. And that was tough to pull off. Like I had to play, you almost have to play your hand perfectly to be able to pull that off and have some things yeah. work in your favor too. But yeah, way, yeah. way better game a, than I thought it would be. Yeah. And, and for 20 bucks, right. Playing up to what? Seven, seven people, right? I think so. Yeah. The, yeah. It's got a high player count. Um, but yeah, super fun. Yeah. And short play time too. You can crank out a few games with it and. Yeah. under an hour. So that was a good one. Um, yeah. I'm glad it worked out. Uh, what should we jump to next? You want to do tiny towns? I think we do tiny towns, tiny okay. towns. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so is this a John, this, this, was this John T. Claire? Did he do tiny towns or am I getting mm, that confused? I don't know. That's a great question. I forget. I'll oh, find let out. Me just cheat. Let me cheat. Real quick. But anyway, tiny towns is, uh, one of AEG's um, flagship games. Um, uh, no, Peter McPherson was the designer. That's right. Um, and basically, what you what you're trying to do is you're building a little little sort of city in front of you, um, and uh, by by gathering X amount of resources, and once you've get enough resources to match sort of a tetra shape on your board, you can then build a building that corresponds with that pattern of resources and colors that you were building. And then each building scores differently at the end. So it is a, uh, what is it, a four by four, right? 16? Yeah, I, grid, think, I think it I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. And um, it you're, it's this spatial puzzle where you're trying to min-max, uh, not screw yourself when people aren't picking the resources you need to try to set yourself up so that you can pick the right resource that you need. Um, it, it's sort of solitaire, but I think if you really paid attention and saw the little bit of the tiny engines that could be built or the, or the scoring, um, combos that, that are, that exist out in the, in the uh, community, um, it's, 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 it's a, it's got a little crunch to it. Um, and at the end, any pieces that you don't have a building on or that just have a resource, uh, those are minus points. So that's, that's tough at that end. I, I, I get it, but that's always what gets me. I feel like I build it. <laughs> <laughs> I do so good. And it's like minus five. I'm like, ugh. it's one of those games where you want to build your engine and then, as soon as you're ready to like, oh shit, yeah, this is working out. I got what I need. I built it. Game's over, and you're like, ah, like you're you're three yeah. turns away from having the Mona Lisa on that grid, and you're not going to get it because somebody else ended the game. It's one of those games, and 
I think that adds to the fun of it is that you you know you're on a countdown basically at some point in time, similar to like Res Arcana when someone gets their engine online and you know you've got like eight turns before they end the game. Um, to get those things built and get that set up. I think the one thing that I love the most about that game, and I had a lot of fun playing it, was the unique buildings that you get at the beginning. They're great, but they're such a like a trail of breadcrumbs away from what you probably should be doing. Like you should not worry about building those buildings first and not worry yeah, about Yeah, but depending on what yeah, but those buildings could set you up. Yeah, I'm not saying you, sh- how you shouldn't play, do it. Right? I think you just have to like yeah. plan on that not being in your in your picture until a little bit yeah, later, and you kind of you know do your civic planning around that being a <laughs> footprint on on the board. But it's it's a very good game, and I think the resource uh, collection portion where you know your opponent's named resources, what you have to collect. Also creates a lot of like, well, I'll take blue because I know Kenny doesn't need blue. And if I take blue, he's going to have to put it on his board somewhere, which is just going to screw him. Like there's that yep. little added it, – it's not solitaire. Let's put it that way. There's a lot of games like no, it's that not. where it's just solitaire. It's, yeah. it's, it's not that. It's not, but, 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 but you almost can't put too much emphasis on your opponents. Right. You have you know, to play, pay attention to their board, a, but you also have to try to make what you do to yeah. them work for you, or otherwise it's not even worth messing with them. Yeah. yeah. Good game. Uh, I liked it more than I thought I would. And it's funny, it's been around for so long, got such good feedback yeah. and reviews. It was always something I wanted to buy, and I just never did, which is odd because it's everywhere and was always on sale. But it just never really hit my my button to, to purchase. Um, and I still don't know if I'd buy it, but I'm glad I finally got to play it. Yeah, I don't. I I feel like I've got games of 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 like aspects of that game in other games. Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad game, uh, but it's definitely you know there's other games that I have in my collection that I would uh, that are too similar enough to maybe not own it. Plus, knowing who I am as a person and as a board game collector, yeah, uh, there are so many expansions for Tiny Towns. I would have to. I couldn't just. Just be okay with the base. No, um, I agree. So, so that's why I'm sort of staying away. <laughs> but it was good. I enjoyed the. We played. We got to play it twice. It was that quick. It's a quick one. Yep. Um, that's what it, it. It looks more complicated too when you're looking at it. Yeah, it, it um, reminded you me. Wouldn't of, expect it to play so fast. It reminded me of Draftosaurus and its simplicity and yeah. speed. Very similar game yep. in that respect. Uh, Agreed. Let's jump to Mystic Veil next because I want to talk about that one. So I've wanted to play Mystic Veil for a very long time. Uh, I like John DeClaire's stuff. I also really am always intrigued by the – not the deck building aspect, but the card building aspect, which is a very – The card crafting is what this is called. Yeah. It's very akin to deck building. It's not too much different. But um, finally got to play. It's it's like John DeClaire's signature. On the yeah. board gaming. Yep. Like, yeah, he started with card crafting. I feel like Mystic Veil might have been the first I game to do know. it. Maybe. If I'm not mistaken. Um, like, you know, as Dominion was the first deck builder, I think Mystic Veil was the first card crafter. Um, yeah, I don't know. Don't I, 100% quote me, but I feel like it was, because that's why I bought it. It's uh, – Get it off the ground floor. 
It's a really nice production. AEG obviously is the publisher. Um, mm-hmm. and I was really excited to play it. And I don't know what I thought after I was done. Like we played one game. We learned a lot during that game. I think I would have played it differently, but I, I kind of was thinking I would have liked it a lot more than I did. That being said, I didn't hate it and I want to play it again. So that probably is a good sign, but it, it felt, I don't know. I guess it felt less the cards themselves as you slowly upgrade stuff just felt less awesome than I expected it to. Like I thought it would get almost ridiculous with some of the card powers and stuff. And it felt kind of mediocre upgrades at best in most cases. Um, well, I think to to that point, not to cut you off, but I think to that point, that's why um, he did Custom Heroes. Because um, Custom Heroes is where you can, like, really make one of the, the trick cards just game-changing, game-breaking. Yeah. Is that the one we played um, at PAX? Yeah. Your okay. one, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a which, trick taker, right? Yeah. Uh, and I can get that. I'll get that one moving. Maybe we could try that one. Yeah. Soon. I'll get that out of the. Cause that one was pretty cool. Out of shrink. Yeah. Um, but I think the, what you're talking about though is balance. And I think that's why you don't necessarily have that in this game because it would, it would break the game. Right. And oh yeah, I definitely. It, it, because of how many, um, what the heck were those? Corruption, the red, the red symbol. Yeah, the, the corruption you get yep. in your starter deck, the the amount of blanks you have in your deck versus the amount of just that general basic land. Yeah, you feel um, so impotent to start the game, and like by the end yeah. game, you're not that much be- better off than you were. It just felt like it was too tepid of a of a ramp in power, and I would have liked to have seen something more egregiously strong, which you know. If Custom Heroes is that, maybe that's more the game for me. Yeah. But I think also this is, again, you have to look at the balance of that, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Also, the starting, the, 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 so in any sort of tiered, um, ramp up, right? Um, your level one cards, uh, the unique thing about Mystic Veil is there's a finite amount of victory points that will end the game once there's no more left in the game. Yeah. Based on player count and the level one. There's a finite amount of level one cards. So potentially, in theory, the more level one cards you buy than your opponents does potentially or should potentially give you that leg up on the next couple rounds. Yep. You know, in the tier two and tier three. Um, almost like a, like Splendor, right? How you ramp up. Like you get a whole bunch of level one Splendor cards to move up to the next tier and then which ultimately gets you. The third tier, but those are all random. So you might get some of the, not necessarily the most beneficial because I think we only saw like, what, five different types of level one cards. Yeah. It wasn't a lot. And and some of them were clearly weaker than others. Um, and sometimes some of us would just get lucky enough on a turn to be able to just buy the tier two cards that we really wanted. Like, I I think I had less level one cards than you guys um but ended up not doing so hot because i just couldn't keep up with uh late game stuff in some of my turns but there's still that like random element of i just drew like shit and after my shuffle and have like two bad turns in a row and it really does set you back so there's there's some of that too 
but I thought the game was then, fun. Well, but hold on. The other piece that I think maybe I, I was thinking you were going to like maybe the most out of all the aspects of the game or the mechanisms in the game is the pusher luck. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like that. Right. <laughs> Especially in a deck builder. You get very frustrated. Right? But, but like, cause, um, what was that, um, living forest? Living forest does it like that. Yes. Right. Yep. Where it has that pusher luck. Same thing with this. Uh, I feel like there's a couple other games that would do that push your luck from a deck standpoint. And that's, well, even Clank, right? If you're drawing Clank all yeah. the time, right? Like, yep. like that's, that's, that gets me. That gets me, uh, a little, a little on edge. <laughs> um, Cause I, I don't know if it's a quack, uh, quacks P- PTSD, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, it's, you tend to like games, and this is part of the reason why you don't like dice games as much, where you have more control over execution and less on the Ameritrash luck elements that are design elements yeah. that show up in a lot of games. And that's, you know, that's how a lot of games function anymore. Like most Ameritrash is that way, and, and for good reason, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it enhances the design of the game. Otherwise, it would just be like the worst Euro you've ever played. Um, and no one wants that to begin with, especially you f- when the word Euro is involved. So I don't know. I, I, th- I thought it overall it was a fun game. I definitely want to play it more. Um, and, and you have all the expansions too, which we didn't add all the stuff in. So I think there's – Yeah, we had some of it, but not all of yeah, it. Yeah, there's more to uh, uncover there. And again, our topic yeah. today, we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, I enjoyed Mystic Veil. I'm glad I finally got to play it. Wasn't It didn't blow me away, but I, I want to play it again, which is generally a good sign for me with games. If it's something I was abhorrently against playing a second time, then clearly I didn't like it. So, um, Let's do Road to Canterbury next. Why don't you talk a little bit about that one? This is a yeah, U, so the a U game. To- yes. Uh, well, the last game night, um, we had only three players. And... Uh, I, I posted to the group. I was like, Hey, instead of us finding a fourth, why don't we just play a three player game that I have? Um, and that's the road to Canterbury and never played it was <clears throat> in shrink, you know, until the day before. Uh, <laughs> but I Sounds had about watched right. it on Kickstarter. I, I watched it on Kickstarter. Um, I'm not sure when it was, but. And I almost bought it because of the theme. I love the that sort of Dante's Inferno wrote, you know, the Canterbury Tales. Um, the, it's just um, I, I find that that those those pieces of literature very fascinating and very unique. And I don't know that I have any games that actually are tied to that thematically. So uh, I didn't back the Kickstarter, which is you know shocking to everybody I know, but. Um, <laughs> It had come up on one of Eagle Griffin's sales, uh, whether it was like a end of year or random insert random marketing holiday here. And I saw they had like one, I think they had like one copy left in stock. And I was like, ah, and you know, I can, doesn't take much to talk me into buying a game. So I pulled the trigger on it and it sat for a couple months and. Basically, what you're trying to do is you're trying to play cards towards different civilians, uh, uh, basically giving them a, a sin, and then you're trying to absolve them of their sins. 
So you score points based on uh, the absolution of sin, uh, but then also if you can potentially kill them through absolution, uh, you'll get more points. And depending uh, if you have the most sort of, I guess I'll call it influence or absolution on a, a particular citizen, you will then advance on the Canterbury, on the road to Canterbury. And the game ends when you all hit Canterbury as even though it's not a co-op game, you are sort of playing this cooperative mission where you're these, uh, I forget what they call them in the game, uh, but you're like these sin dealers, <laughs> so to speak, um, or these wicked priests, yeah, I, I guess. I can't um, remember. I forget they have partners. Pardon, Is it partners? Yes, partners. Yeah. And, uh, but, um, but then there's this, mechanism where you get a one of your cubes out on every unique uh, sin you play so there's but then that becomes a huge tiebreaker so it's a weird balance between being the first two or at least getting to have the tiebreaker towards the end knowing that that stuff happens however you want to get your your token on canterbury so you need to get the 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 sort of the absolution on these uh, civilians. So I just found it very interestingly balanced between the, the couple mechanisms that were happening. Um, there's drafting. So you're sort of deck building ish, um, in a way or hand, I guess it's more, yeah, hand, more management hand management. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Than drafting or than deck building. It's a hand management at its core. Yeah. But the, the, um, the interesting part is what did I miss? What did I forget? There's three draw piles. So that, that makes it like the hand yeah. management normally is like, okay, well, I've got a hand of cards. In this game, it's like, I have a hand of cards, but there's three different types of cards and all of them matter pretty significantly. Yes. Especially in different stages and phases of the game. So there's that much more complexity when it comes to like, all right, well, I only have so many cards in my hand and I know what they're trying to do. I need to draft cards that potentially either foil that or help me further. And these piles yep. are what we have available. Some of them are not terribly helpful at the time, and some of them you can't see what's coming. So it's like that adds a whole nother layer too, which I wasn't expecting. I don't know. I thought this was – first of all, you don't see a lot of three-player only games. So I immediately was – my hackles were up. I was like, eh, we'll see what this trash is. Uh, <laughs> I love the like pastoral art style of this, like the the, the churchy – uh, sort of muted tones and um, yeah. the relic cards just looking like, you know, something out of, uh, you know, Diablo's papacy. <laughs> like, it's just so – it's themed very well. But the gameplay itself, it was it seemed a little clunky to me when we first went through it. And then we played that first game and it kind of clicked. And I had a pretty good idea what to do. I still got slam danced in both games, but – um I think my only complaint is just like a lot of games, you know, luck of the draw, right? I had a, some situations yeah. where, uh, you know, you were able to take two turns in a row and like you flipped it. You t had taken a card and what you flipped was something that I needed and you ended up taking it or whatever. Yeah. Um, which, you know, some games that's going to happen. Some games it doesn't. Some games you just need to plan better, like have a backup plan. Um, I think yeah. it's one of those games where having a backup plan is really important. 
And I did like the three decks and, and being able to choose between the three. I think the the relic deck I tried playing because there were bit. some there were some hit or misses yeah, in that deck. Like for sure. Some of those were like you know, getting there. I think that's where the unbalance of the game lies is in the relics. So you can either get one that's I think that's okay, okay or one that's like oh my god, this relic, yeah, amazing. right. And like I, like I was trying game changing the whole game to like min max the the gold gained or the, the the currency gained from pardoning, but the reality is you're better off pardoning like if with two or more cards just to be able to get the cubes out. And I wasn't doing that, so I think I you know if we played that again, I'd probably be a little bit more aggressive with that portion of it. But it's a really interesting concept game. I think it actually yeah. does play really well. At at three, I think we had a discussion like why does this? Why don't we add four? But it's like maybe at that point it just gets well because there's only because there's only seven uh, civilians to match the seven deadly sins. Yeah, and I think probably even if you scale that up, it wouldn't work. Like I think it's balanced appropriately for three and, and plays that way. And the other thing I liked about it is quick. It's not a long game. Like for for the sort of depth and decision paralysis you get in that game, it's fairly quick. We don't normally see that. So I, th- I thought that was a good quality for it. I would definitely play it again if we had three. Like that, it, I don't so, have a lot of three-player games. I would probably vote we play that again because it actually was pretty fun. So, so I have a couple comments. Number one, it came out in 2011. That's how old this game is. Yeah, it's crazy. And then number two is... The art, there's a reason why I, now that I'm reading it, <laughs> there's a reason why I also wanted to back it. <laughs> it's art from Hieronymus Bosch. So it's legit real oh, art yeah. from that time period. Right. And then that just the makes designer, me the, the rap covers thing. Yes. So, and then the, the, the designer was Alf, uh, Siegert, who, uh, has done another game that I really enjoy from um, uh, from Red Raven, which is Haven. Uh, so that's a two-player uh, only. Um, you know, Ryan Lockett art. Alf designed it. Have not played and then that one. Alf. Um, so his name's been on a couple. He he also did one of his big games was. I think it was called Fantastica, which has a lot. So that was like his big one. Um, he did another one with Red Raven called Dingo's Dreams. Uh, the Cubist was one that was popular. So, um, so he's been around. He's done some done some things. Um, um, but yeah, that's a uh, road to Canterbury. Before I before we proceed to the next one, what was the name of that that rap cover thing? Can you remember? The what was that again? What was repeat that? The rap cover thing with with uh, remember it was like medieval music, but but like popular hip hop and rap tracks. Oh 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 the 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 bard from Spotify. Yeah, what the hell is uh, that called? Because it has that same art on the cover of it, like the the weird like medieval baby or whatever, and it just made me think of that beetle. Beetle the Bardcore. Beetle the Bardcore. That's it. So good. If you ha- if yes. if you're listening to this show and you want something hilarious, go listen to yes. Beetle the Bardcore's cover of uh, the Real Slim Shady. Well, Real Slim Shady. He, he he's done Big Papa. 
the candy shop into club gangsters paradise r.i.p coolio um all the classics yeah, so beetle the bardcore or all your favorite and yes, classics. it definitely has <laughs> <laughs> california love Oh my god, so good! Oh, when you found that, we were, my wife was literally laughing in in tears. It was just oh. so ridiculous. All right, sorry, that was a good aside we sorry. had to share with listeners because it's just so funny. You got to <laughs> check it out. Uh, yes. All right, what, Beetle the Bardcore. What is next on the list? Earth, I think is well the last, the last one. Last right? but not least yeah. is Earth, right? So I'm just um, going to say right now that I liked it. However, I sat back after and thought about it, and this is basically just Excel spreadsheets with cubes and little wooden stackable towers. Like, very cool game, 100% just Excel solitaire, min-maxing scores based off combinations of cards. Still like it, though. I'm not going to knock it. I had fun playing it. It was quite good. So why don't you uh, just like give the the 40,000-foot view of the game and dive into your comments? Yeah, so – um, so Earth is can we just call guess, Earth one of the newest? Earth is one of the newest games from Inside Up, and it is designed by uh, Maxim Tardif. And uh, it's funny because I have one of his first games ever in a game called Brilliance. And, uh, that was one of my first Kickstarters. Um, so Earth is basically, you are building, it's a, it's a, it's an engine builder, action selection building. Uh, it's a, definitely a solitaire puzzle where you, I think that's another, what, four by four grid, right? It's 16 cards. Uh, yep. And, uh, you are just trying to, you know, as Ryan said, uh, min max, it's, it's basically min max the game, um, where you're just trying to always score the most points based on the engine that you're building. There are end game goals or, or, or missions that you can try to accomplish. If you do them, you get, you know, some, uh, some extra points at the end of the game. Um, but you're, uh, drawing cards, you're discarding cards. There's scoring mechanisms for literally everything. It is, it's, it's like, it's like, uh, engine building point salad in a weird way, right? Yeah. Like if you think about, yeah, it is, you know, that type of game. There's so right? many avenues to score points. Yeah. And basically every game you play, you're going to find new synergies, new combos, um, because the amount of replayability and variability that exists in that game is insane. And we only played one time on basic level. And it was a lot for me. I know we were trying to move fast because we were you know, a little pressed for time. However, uh, if you build a complicated engine, it becomes like a, like gizmos on, on crack. You know, like it's crazy. It's, and the other part of it too is like you don't choose the action every turn, but you get to play, you get every, to turn. play every turn based off the action that is chosen. And it's like one of four colors yeah. that represent some form of, you know, earth doing things and stuff. And 
that triggers like cards on your tableau plus other stuff that might be going on. And so like even on your turn, you're like, oh shit, I'm going to set up this cool combo. It's going to happen on their turns too. And you just got to keep up with it. I actually had no trouble. Yeah. I think the only issue for me was just making sure I had all the icons right before I did the actions. And I just wanted to make sure I wasn't screwing it up to my detriment or to like cheat because <laughs> I didn't want to yeah. F the game up. Um, I think the iconography is very good though. Like normally sometimes those games just are like hieroglyphics, right? It's, it's almost impossible to keep up. Yeah. Uh, with the sheer amount of symbols, I picked it up within a few rounds and it was good to go at that yeah. point. Everything is on the player board. Yeah. It's, um, it's great. <clears throat> it's not, it's, it's, yeah. I think the design of all of that is, is very well done too. Like having that board there, your piles in front of you organized neatly so you know what goes where, your tableau off to your left, there's, you know, basically, symbols on every card of where to particular where particular things are supposed to be placed it's just like yeah, the yeah. very neat excel spreadsheet in terms of what what shows up on the table all the components of that game are really nice like i, I really loved the visual it's a very pretty game um it's it, it's very akin to arc nova and terraforming mars in terms of like execution in in aesthetic and stuff but like it's just a more vibrant game i think um and i i just 100 really enjoyed it i want to play it again i i don't think it has long shelf life for me because of the nature of it right pun intended it's just like min maxing based off the cards you get and that's kind of just it right um yeah and you can the only thing i guess my only knock on it right well hold on but hold on let's let's pause there for a second right yep um and and i'll I'll go back to comparing it to gizmos um gizmos doesn't get old why would this game get old to you uh i think gizmos would get old to me eventually really yeah i Hmm. i think part of the reason is because Theming matters to me a lot in engine builders because there's just so many engine builders out there. And I think Earth has a great theme, so it probably even have more shelf life than Gizmos for me. And I really do like Gizmos, but I think Earth is crunchier than Gizmos, which is important for me personally oh, to enjoy agreed. it. I love that level of depth and complex. Like I was watching you struggle to keep up with your tableau, and I felt good about myself being able to keep up with mine. <laughs> Because normally you're like you're good, right? You're it's it's rare yeah, well, to see that was you the... struggle with keeping up with the game. I, I normally don't see that out of you, and that one just well, has the thing so was... much going on in your tableau. Yeah, had, built... You had like a lot of colors, right? You you had to do shit on yeah. every action. I didn't quite have as many as you. Well, and that was the thing. Like I had built it purposely to try to be a self sustaining thing where like regardless of what someone did or picked i was scoring points but like what happened was the same action or the same color of action got picked too many times in a row and it like <laughs> almost stalled my engine out yeah right? filled your cue because like yeah because i got everything done right like it was supposed to be a longer it was supposed to have more longevity so then i was like well if this engine isn't running anymore, 
I need to find a new way of making points, right? So I either need to shift to composting or <laughs> I, drew, I drew some cards. I was like, okay, let me find some cards that might shift my um, my strategy. And I had got a, a few cards that scored points based on the cards in your hand. And then I had a lot of cards that kept me drawing cards and I could then yeah. sell you know, cubes to get cards and then the cubes could get me that like, so then I was my, I got the engine running again, but it like, it still had like some grease a in it, pivot. right? Like, yeah. So like, but that's my um, only, but yeah, I missed, that's my you know, there's a lot. It, I mean, it's, it can get complicated. That was my only yeah. kind of thing with the game was like thematically, like the situation you got into thematically, it makes sense for there to be like, okay, you know, I have this tree, right, as part of my tableau, but like this particular fungus, I could play over top of the tree because that fungus kills the tree and maybe I get some kind of bonus to give you the opportunity to replace certain cards in your engine as you gain them because you gain so many cards in that game throughout the course. Like you just draw so many freaking cards yeah. and like me, yeah, I had so many cards and nothing to do with them. I'm like, well, I'm just going to go to the compost route. Like it's free points and I'm not doing anything else with them. And I can only play 16 cards. Why not just dump them all for points? And that worked out. Yeah, really your well. compost pile looked like one of the starting decks. Yeah. I had like, like eight. It was so big. Almost 80 cards in it. And it's because I, I literally couldn't do anything else with them. And I didn't have the soil generation I needed. So I'm like, well, let's just shove them all in there. And it worked, but like probably wouldn't work every game. And it's, it's certainly as we get more familiar with that game, I don't think it will. But yeah, I, I think uh, they probably could stand and put, and maybe they'll do it at some point in time, a way to replace or, or overwrite certain cards in your tableau, depending on the type of card meshing with what you're playing over top of. Cause yeah, thematically, I'm sure it's, it's, still it's in, in the expansion. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think that would be cool, but I think it's a really cool game. I think again, it's, it's a it's a formulaic game for sure. Uh, I read the design diaries about it a little bit from Maxim Tardif, and um, it's he has a spreadsheet to balance it, right? Like literally, it's all formulas and <laughs> algorithms, and and that's okay. Like a lot of games have that. It's not a bad thing. It's not a knock on it. Yeah, it's but super. When mathy. you reduce it to its core pieces, that's that's exactly what it is. Um, yep. And if you're okay with that, you're going to enjoy it. And it is very much a solitaire-ish game. Which is fine, but I think the production's so good and the theme's so good and the execution's so clean, it's still very enjoyable. So I was I was very thrilled we got to play it and I think we I think everybody enjoyed it. I think everybody had a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Plus it's so freaking beautiful. Yeah. It's it's a fantastic production. The the wood touches on everything's great. The card art is gorgeous. The card the graphic design is excellent. Um it's it's a complete package and it's a small it's not a huge box game either like there's a lot of components but it's all kind of the same stuff it's just yeah that's that's a good example of not overproduction yet still very high quality production and i think that's something yeah, it's a lot like of a, manufacturer or, or designers and manufacturers should take note of yeah it's like very small batchy feel to it right like almost like planted in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. You know? Yep. All right. 
Uh, yeah, well. That was it. That was a lot of games we played and some really good ones in there and some stuff I think we're definitely going to revisit. I, I want to play Mystic Veil vale again. I know we're going to play Birds of a Feather more. I know we'll probably play Roads of Canterbury more because we're definitely going to have some three-player nights over the summer here. And yeah. I do think you should bring Earth one night. We should probably get that another go. Okay. Because I think everybody's going to enjoy that one for sure. All right. Um, we've got a topic to cover. No review tonight, but a topic. We haven't done a topic in a little while. I have one that's been on my brain for a while, and I want to. I don't want to spend too long. You know, try to keep things somewhat succinct. But I want to dive into this because I think it matters towards our group and a lot of other game groups out there. Um, I'm friends with some people that have regular groups and you have, you know, our group plus another group outside of that. And we play games, you know, at work sometimes or whatever. One of the things that comes up constantly in any of those, uh, whether it's spoken or not spoken, is the argument between playing a lot of games, different games, newer games, right? Because we have the unfortunate yet wonderful habit of buying a ton of shit and maybe not playing at all as much. Or on the flip side, you know, picking one of the games we know we enjoyed the first time we played and playing that same game 8, 10, 12 times until, you know, we either reach a point we don't want to play it anymore or we're bored of it or whatever and moving on to something else. Why is it that our group in particular seems to enjoy more flip-flopping around with the exception of War Chest, Nidavellir, and a couple others, you know, Arboretum? Why do we why do we always flip around to new stuff? Do you think it's because we buy so much new stuff or is it because we just don't like playing the same thing twice? Um it's a tough question. I think it leans <laughs> I think it leans heavily towards our buying. Um and and having larger collections. And continuing to grow those collections. Yeah. As we'll talk to in, I don't know, 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's weird though, because like, to your point, we've got some mainstays like Cat in the Box. I mean, obviously, War Chest is our most played game yep. of, of last year. We've played that a lot. Right. Nidavellir a lot. We've played, um, yeah. uh, God, why can't I think of them? Arboretum a lot. We've yeah. played uh, – there's a couple others in there that we've played a fair amount. But then there's yeah. just so many so, other games. <laughs> so many. So what's funny is we will play those games anytime someone suggests them, right? Yep. And um, – but I think then subconsciously you're like, well, I know how that plays. I know, I know, I love it. Uh, do I need to play it again? Why don't I try something else? Because you're almost like those games that you love, right? Like, um, War Chest. Uh, I'll throw Wingspan there. Um, these games that you've played a lot, right? You love those games. They're great games. Um, and now I think there's a piece that you're like, I wonder if this game's as good as that game, or I wonder if I'll feel the same way about that game as this game, right? Yeah. So I think that's the desire for trying new things. Um, the interest you also in the don't unknown. necessarily know. Yeah. You also don't know how it's going to gel with that group. Right. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, knowing the audience and trying to find something that will match the audience. And yet sometimes the audience will surprise you. Like there's been some times where some of our other audiences, I was like, 
this isn't going to go over well. People are not going to like this. And then everyone loves it and wants to play it every day. And I'm just like, oh my God, I didn't even think that was going to be possible. <laughs> right. But then like with, with our group, it's like, we can't play. I mean, we can, but I don't know if we would give ourselves, uh, we would feel the feel okay playing war chest every other week for four hours. You know what I mean? Well, which we could definitely do. Yeah. Right. This this is the part of that argument too. Is like, <laughs> so War Chest is a game we've played significantly, and War Chest is also a game with a very finite set of parameters. Like there are twelve units, you draft those units, you play a game. Right. I think what makes War Chest so good is that the the four of us and the team play plus the strategic minds at the table end up making that game better than the sum of its parts. So that's a little bit a tougher of an example to, to lock in. We also kind of have some like war gaming experience in our group. So that, that ties into it too. Yeah, But throw, put Arboretum in that category. Yeah. Right. Like Arboretum is the same way. Yeah. Nidavellir is the same but way, if but you, they're not, if you, but they're not the same as war chest. No, I agree. But the, right? there are games where, so like I, I keep coming back to Everdell as an example. Everdell is Everdell, right? It, it is what it is. It's it's that type yeah. of game. It's a tableau yeah. building, sort of engine buildy worker placement game. But we've played Everdell, I want to say four or five times as a group, maybe six times. And we have yeah, barely yeah. scratched the surface of what that game has to offer between the base game and all the expansions. Um, you could yeah. say the well, same. Hold on. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, you're bringing up a good point, and let's stay on Everdell for a moment. Uh, so, again, you and I are bored. I, I think maybe me a little bit more, but we're compl- I'm a completionist uh, in, in anything I no do. No shit. Talking about completing uh, the set of, of sour beers tonight, too, just made me think of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, uh, so but, but what happens is – when you add in everything for Everdell and you're carrying around uh, the the coffin of a small dog, right? Like <laughs> you almost, it becomes almost daunting to play, right? And at that point, did it defeat its purpose? Well, right? so like you don't have to play Omega Dell. You could just play Everdell with one expansion. I know, I, but I know, but just just take, but just the fact that it's all in that sarcophagus. Yeah, it right? is daunting. Like, I agree. It's but if you just took the base in, game, like so, Everdell is a good example. Wingspan's a good example. Dominion's a good example. Even better, yeah. Um, yeah. There, there are many others that follow in that 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 sort of. Um, the only one that doesn't lineage. hit that is King of Tokyo. Yeah, because King of well, Tokyo. I mean, that's a rolled has there a lot of a lot, yeah a lot of expansions, but it's a simplistic game at its core. Yeah, yeah. But those right. games where there is just a a big deck of cards, there's multiple expansions, there's varieties of ways to win the game. I feel like we do a disservice to ourselves and the games that we talk about and play and review sometimes by not sitting down and spending more time playing that game more frequently and exploring the depths and strategic depths of those games. Tapestry is a fantastic example of this, right? I still don't know what I think of Tapestry. I I loved when I played the two (laughs) games that we played. I was 
uh, you know, totally invested in the in the play. I was totally interested in what was happening. I wanted to play more when we were done, but I also left with a bad taste in my mouth because it was like horribly unbalanced sometimes. And I feel like that isn't a symptom of the game so much, even though uh, from reading online there is some of that happening for sure. But the more you play, the more you start to understand what the civilizations do, and you can actually sort of execute around that. And those are the types of, you know, experiences that we don't get to have because we hop around from title to title to title all the time. Fall of the Mountain King is another one. We played two games of Fall of the Mountain King. I have no freaking idea what to do in that game yet, but I'm really intrigued <laughs> on how to become strategically better at that game, and I know it's possible. I know if we played more, well, but, we would get there, and so it's it's tough. Yeah, but you have to factor in uh, game duration as well. Yes, and I for think sure. game duration, specifically with Fall of the Mountain King, I'll even throw Oath in that category. Oh, yeah. These games are longer, whether they're meant to be longer, or we make them longer. <laughs> A little bit players. of both. <laughs> right? Like, so... You don't. You almost feel like you wasted your night by spending three hours, four hours on one thing. Yeah. Right. And yet, even when we try to do like seven games in one day, we get through three. You know, like so. And, and then is but, that necessarily bad? But we. But I think we put that that uh, onerous on it as if something bad happened, or as if it's a negative thing. Well, the flip side. I don't that. mind. I don't mind playing one game for four hours. That doesn't bother uh, me. If I'm engaged, if the game is good, I don't care. I honestly, Follow the Mountain King does not feel like four or five hours or whatever they were. I, I was engaged and intrigued the entire time. I didn't even know there was a clock happening. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like I was so in the, I was so in that world, in that game, in my tableau, which I love. And then trying to see what everyone else was doing and how can I win? Yes. Right. How can I put myself in that position where I can't get hurt too bad, but I'm also set up to close the game out in a high note by capturing enough of these cavern. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent there. But I think we, but I think we put a stereotype or we put a stigma on a longer experience as if that's a bad thing. Yeah. And, and it doesn't, it's not like we do it. Uh, like on purpose it happens because our time is so limited right we meet once every two weeks and to know that you're only going to play a single game in two weeks is kind of you need to min max (laughs) your two week one night you need an excel spreadsheet at the time yeah but the the other the flip side of that so those are very good points right the flip side of that is by playing okay we play we're going to play seven games today and we brought all these games and three of them are new four of them are new we're going to play three we already know because those are our classics the time sunk into teaching and learning yes and playing through new games is also something that affects us and i think our group has a, a stronger appetite to constantly learn new shit to play I don't think all groups function that way. We're fortunate in that we have that opportunity and that coincides with our enormous collections, right? But there's yeah. something to be said about, okay, let's take Everdell and just play the shit out of that for the rest of this year, every other week or every month. And we don't have to learn well, anything. So, Everyone can just saddle up so and here's- get more games <laughs> because we know it better. 
So here's, here's, uh, and maybe you've seen this and I'm sure I'm not really telling anyone, anyone, anybody, something they don't know, but, um, I feel like someone on Etsy or board game geek or whatever, they made what was known as the, uh, the 10 games, 10 times calendar. Yeah. I've seen that. Right. And basically at the beginning of the year, you pick the 10 games you want to play and you sort of check a box every time you play it and you play it 10 times in a year. So that's a hundred times, right? 10 times 10. That's how math works, right? Something like that. Uh, so you end up playing a hundred games, but you end up playing 10 games, 10 times each. Uh, and I think that might be neat to try next year. You know, that you're bringing up this topic where we can do it like, August to August, right? We don't have to wait till January, but it would be neat to see that experiment for a year. Um, and then to go back and see where we diverted from that. Like, ah, we've got time to do that. Let's throw a war chest in, right? If we didn't pick war chest, you know, sneak in some of the classics. Yeah. Um, but I would, I'd be interested in that sort of, uh, social board game experiment. Yep. I think it's right. So a perfect way. So 52 weeks a year, right? Well, let's do the math. Let's just do the math, right? So 52 weeks a year, if we do every other, so that's uh, 26, <laughs> right? Yes. 26. This is going to be entertaining. Okay. More than likely, I would say there's at least six weeks that it's not going to happen for whatever reason. Just flat out cancel. So now that's 20, right? So how do you accomplish, uh, what is it, five? Yeah. No, 50. How does that? Sorry, math. <laughs> so, Entertainment. Riveting radio right here, so, folks. So like hold on. Forrest Gump. Divided by 20. So that's five games in one night you have to play. Yeah. In order to accomplish that. Which is not likely, right? No, it's not going to happen. And we give ourselves so you know that off the bat. You know, roughly five hours, let's say four hours with food and shooting the shit on a game night. So we're able to yeah. squeeze in most of the time two games if we're lucky, two and something small. But you know, we could we could scale that back too and do something smaller, not ten by ten, but whatever. But the point is th- this whole topic, and I'll yeah. I'll kind of close this out here. Um, it's interesting to me the the fact that we have these huge collections and that does influence it. And I think that happens to a lot of gamers or game groups because there's always that one person who is the collector, is the hoarder, is the one that pushes the hobby onto others and and they like it and get involved. But I think there's something to be said and maybe we should look into it more for ourselves and maybe others will do the same. Maybe they already do. And if you do, you know, email us and kind of tell us about your experience with this. Maybe we should try to find those couple titles every year that we want to play more of as a group that we really like and start to incorporate those yeah. into every game night because it'll be like getting back into uh, onto a bike, right? You're familiar with it. There's no teach. We just go. We go and we play and we compete yeah. and we have fun. And and what's interesting about that is though, uh, for me maybe, um, I love playing board games. Right. And, um, in subconsciously, when something new comes out, I already can picture myself playing it and enjoying it and loving it. Whether it's the theme, the art, the components, the, the combo of all of it, the gameplay, you know, yep. the theme, you know, the, the, you know, all of the, 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 some of the parts, right? 
and then I can put our put it on the table with people and just sort of coerce myself into saying, "Oh, you need this game, right?" Because I I, I know the experience is going to be fun and good, nine times out of ten, right? Yes, I've had a couple flops and duds, you know. So that's why I think that that the pursuit of more happens, at least for me. Yep. Yeah, and I think you know I have the same problem. Like I see stuff I know I'll probably enjoy, and I want to share it with others. And that experience at the table is is a rewarding experience. It's fun. Um, and there's so many board games out there now that it's more. We have a. a a golden age that we live in, in video games, media and board games. Now too, there's just so much to choose from that is high quality, well-produced and it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick, but I think we're doing a disservice to some of the games and designers out there by not playing the individual titles more to get more out of them. There's more in those boxes that we just aren't touching because we're moving on to something else. And I think we need to spend more time focused on that. So I just really wanted to talk about disagree. this because I think it, it's something that we kind of don't talk openly about, but is in the back of our head sometimes when we look at our collections. Like, man, I really wish I could get more plays of War of the Ring, or I really wish I could get more plays of Fall of the Mountain King or Cosmic Frog. And I, you've got even more on that list than me. So it's something that <laughs> I'm sure a lot of groups talk about and struggle with, and, and it's something I know that, that we've talked about now finally, and hopefully we can – come to a better uh, a spot with some of those titles that we want to get to the table more. So I'll, uh, I'll wrap this topic up there. It was a good discussion. If, if anybody has any comments. What's well, amazing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Give us your tips on this. Yeah. Or the therapy or that you're going thoughts through. <laughs> about it. Just shoot us an email at <laughs> yeah. playgameslosefriends.com or at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Instagram at playgameslosefriends or Twitter at PGLF show. We'd love to hear from you about that topic. And this is a beautiful segue into more games. The back plot <laughs> section where we added games to our collection that we just talked about not doing. So uh, I'm going to start because <laughs> I literally have nothing uh, except one thing. Ice is coming soon. They're uh, next to fulfill from Gamerati, I think. So that's coming in July. I'm very excited about that. But other than that, I have had no purchases. I've had nothing. Uh, wait, I should I shouldn't say that. My wife got King Domino for us on, from a consignment store for seven bucks. Played that. That was fun. But other than that, go ahead. I know you've got a much longer list than me. All right. So we'll start with the backed, which I went back to my New Year's resolution. I've been doing pretty good though so far. The fact that we're almost in you July. You have been doing excellent compared to the historical reference that we have. Yes. Yes. Uh, again, my, my journey has been documented for over a year, right? So I only have two games that I've backed. One was the AEG expansion. Kickstarter for War Chest, which was the new factions. And then, uh, I also, they had a discount on the one expansion I do not have. Again, completionist. So, uh, and then they had a, uh, a promo, like a tournament pack type thing. So, uh, we're each going to get a copy of that. So, so that was one of my two. And then, uh, you've heard us talk about these games uh, on the podcast a lot uh, from the Unstable Games collection. Their newest game hit Kickstarter at the beginning of the month or late May called Command of Nature. Um, this is a uh, deck building head-to-head 
sort of a card battler, but yet not sort of in the vein of magic or Pokemon. Um, it's got a little bit more of that unstable spin to it. Art is amazing. Components again, they went overboard on it. So I didn't go too crazy, but I bought enough of the past Kickstarter stuff that I didn't get. <laughs> it almost felt like I bought a deluxe pledge because I kept, they kept adding more stuff and I kept adding to it. Um, so unstable games always get played in this house. Um, so it, that was a no brainer for me. Uh, also, uh, if you've not played their newest game, casting shadows, uh, target now carries this game. So, uh, I re- highly recommend it. Uh, it's basically, um, a more advanced sort of King of Tokyo, uh, with, uh, some resource management and, uh, sort of area control. So, uh, if you like any of that, then please go, uh, pick up casting shadows at target. But those are my two backed. Any, any thoughts, Ryan? I want to play casting shadows. <laughs> we need to play it at some point in time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's my thoughts. Well, that was the thing. The one, so I, I, so basically in their campaign, they asked the backers if they should open up the past, uh, exclusive things from each of the, their previous campaigns. And I didn't back here to slay. Uh, I didn't back, uh, something else. And then I didn't back the unicorn character for casting shadows. So now I'm back. I got the unicorn character. I got two here to slay. Oh, nice. Here to slay expansions. Um, there was something else. The, the add-ons just kept coming. Plus, I'm going to sleeve it because I know it's going to get played. So I'll get the custom sleeves. So, but Command of Nature looks really cool. They have an anteater in the game. <laughs> so awesome. Well, that sold so you. Pumped. Yeah. So again, unstable games. You get me every time. Okay, so even though it sounded like we played a lot of games, uh, that was uh, like four days <laughs> since we last recorded, right? So out of all those days, so um, I have picked up some things. Uh, so we'll go through my pre-orders. I have two things being pre-ordered right now. Uh, one was the first expansion for Star Wars Villainous. If you read our top, or if you listen to our top 50 list, you know where Villainous is in my heart and on my list. Uh, and this has, uh, introduced Boba Fett. So Boba Fett is now going to be a playable character in Villainous. And a game that I have a few of the Marvel sets of it. It's called Verse System, um, from Upper Deck. Uh, I have, like I said, I have a couple of the Marvel sets, did not pay a lot for them. I found them at Ollie's, um, but they now have a all elite wrestling or AEW two player version of it. So I had to pre-order that because that should be pretty amazing. And if there's compatibility between having professional wrestlers fight Galactus, that's going to be so fun. <laughs> <to me. laughs> um, so those your, are my two pre-orders. Are interesting, let's just say. <laughs> um, and I, uh, sticking with Ollie's, uh, I bought uh, the Marvel Uno or the Ultimate Marvel Uno game, 
And in that set, you open a pack of hollow boosters. And I got a couple Spider-Man cards, but Spider-Man doesn't come in the base game. So I went and found the Spider-Man single deck pack so I could have the hollow cards in my Spider-Man deck. I um, almost so that was bought the that game, game for your kid for his birthday one year. <laughs> Dude, it was $7 at all. Yeah, so I couldn't pass Super it cheap. Um, and then I bought a box, uh, a booster box of the Warhammer TCG card game again. I uh, found it at Ollie's. Um, I've been hoarding some of those old TCGs. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever play them, but. And then I uh, ordered from Funko Games. I ordered the new Walt Disney animated uh, co-op game. And this looks like a lot of fun, right? We might do this this weekend. Maybe. Okay. Depending if Kim wants to try it. Um, but. Super excited to try it out. Um, you're basically trying to build uh, animated films cooperatively uh, before the villain, uh, the before the deadline hits. Um, so you have to build your scenes, put your characters in, you unlock up. Every character has an ability. There's little like animation cells that go over top of the things. Oh, the components are look so neat. Uh, every film, there's six films in the box. It's a two to four player game. Uh, Prospero Hall designed it, so they've got a good pedigree with me, at least. So, um, so I took a chance on this, and then I. Uh, <laughs> so I know at PAX you bought me some of the Chase versions of the Funkoverse games, right? Yes. Do you remember that when I learned what Chase? So it meant. comes a little Funko Pop. That's a yes. That's a, a game piece. Um, and then Funko also came out with Battle World, which. You know, your son enjoyed Battle World. They did King Domino, which was a Disney game. It didn't really quite pick up or pick off or, or what? I guess didn't gain momentum and popularity. So King Domino is pretty much done. So they're taking another stab at this sort of blind bag, blind box board game, uh, and a game called Star Wars Rivals. Uh, and right now, it's only – you can buy it probably online, but Walmart is right now the exclusive uh, store for this. So there's a two-player starter set. Think like Unmatched meets uh, Smash Up, where you're trying to control locations. Every character is unique. You get special cards for each character to make a deck. Um, so I bought the – Starter pack, which was two good guys, two bad guys that are exclusive to that set. And then I grabbed one of each, uh, booster boxes. So, uh, I ended up getting a hollow, uh, which I don't know if it's necessarily a chase, but it's like a unique variant, which is the, I got the holographic emperor and I got Chewbacca from the good guys. So there's good guy packs, there's bad guy packs. You basically build a team and, and you compete over these locations. Um, with putting, you know, different counters and doing different actions. Um, and, and you're trying to have the highest score because each, each location has a score. Uh, and you're trying to overthrow that location. So that's Star Wars Rivals. <laughs> and then I have not had a chance to play this yet. However, I bought it for my son. He was going, uh, camping this week with uh, his cousin and his grandparents. And, 
Ryan, I don't know if you're familiar with this. Uh, it's a toy called an Ushi. No, uh, no idea. But basically, it's like a little, it's like a little rubber. It's like a little rubber guy, almost like a pencil topper, right? And basically, they do, uh, they put some IP on it. Uh, so my son, when he was little, collected these Ninja Turtle Ushis, and they made DC character Ushis, and uh, you know, you can find them maybe at Ollie's or, or some of your liquidator stores. Dirt cheap now, but. They came out with a a rock paper scissors uh, collectible set of cards, <laughs> and not only do you get an Ushi in the pack, but you get cards. And uh, I know my, my my nephew or my my uh, my son's cousin, he likes you know superheroes, uh, and they did like these crazy holographic, uh, almost chibi style art. Uh, for these DC characters. So, uh, you basically shuffle the deck together and play it almost like war, where you flip a card, paper, rock, scissors, right? Simple. Uh, apparently they've been playing it every night at, at, in this camping trip. So wow. I don't regret buying it, uh, because my son's been enjoying it. Uh, I, I put, I, I sleeved it all up so it can have longevity. Um, so I don't have all of it, but I might get more packs. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, an Ushi little paper, rock, scissors, <laughs> very simple card game. Uh, again, I think it's Walmart only right now. Um, so I think that's it, Ryan. Not bad. Still well behaved. <laughs> so, and again, none of, none of this is like super expensive yeah, either, right? We're not like, doing $300 Kickstarter. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These were like... I mean, animated was thirty dollars. That was the most expensive game. Yeah, that's right? not bad <laughs> out of everything we just talked about. Not bad. So we are being uh, good, and it's been a good twenty twenty three. I'm trying, and I'm saving up for the end of the year when I can have a splurge at PAX. So we'll uh, we'll continue <laughs> to behave until then. Uh, I think that's going to do it. So glad we could get back behind the mics and talk to all of you again about games. Uh, can't wait to get back and do it again. We'll try to be back in two weeks. Um, you can check us out on the web at playgameslosefriends.com. You can email us with questions, comments, feedback for the show at playgamesloosefriends at gmail.com. Don't forget our contest, too. You can email us if you want to enter uh, subject tapestry. Just put your address in the body, and we can uh, enter you in the contest. That's for two tapestry expansions. Find us on Instagram at playgamesloosefriends or on Twitter at show. Thanks again for listening. If you do enjoy the show, please leave feedback on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Android, wherever you get your podcasts. Just uh, leave a review and some comments for the show. Helps us get it out to more people. Other than that, Ken, do you have any parting words for our friendly listeners before we head out for the evening? Just rate, review, subscribe. Hope you're enjoying it. Stick with us. We'll, we'll be back. Yep. We'll try to get back to a regular schedule now that things are calmed down here and summer settled in. But in the meantime, thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed, and we will be back soon. Until then, play games, don't lose your friends, and have some fun and enjoy your summer, folks. We'll see you next time. Later. Later.